The following episode of the Toddcast was previously recorded on July 1st. What is it like to work at a DO school? What does someone in research and faculty do? And how hard is it to receive a doctorate? Well, I talk about all that and more on this episode of the Toddcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast. As always, I'm your host, Todd McManus. It is a rather warm day here in the state of Louisiana, but that is not going to deter from me talking to my guest today. And joining me is the Assistant Dean for Research and Faculty here at the Louisiana VCOM campus. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Randy Aldrich. Dr. Aldrich, how are you doing today? Good morning, Todd. Oh, doing well. It's good to be back in Monroe after a couple of weeks out of town, and uh, pleasure to finally meet you and put a face to a name, and let's see what you got for me today. <laughs> All right. And so first off, that I've been doing recently with a few guests is an icebreaker question that I'd like to ask you. Sure, sure, sure. So this is a would-you-rather question, and it's just a random would-you-rather question that I found on the internet. (laughs) So it is, would you rather never get a cold ever again or never be stuck in traffic ever again? Oh, I, you know, I've lived in a lot of big cities, so traffic's not (laughs) as bad a deal to me and plus i like listening to music and i've got i love satellite radio and and i love listening to podcasts so i'm i'm pretty cool in my car i hate a cold (laughs) i can't sleep i can't open up my nose i can't breathe i can't talk i cough i feel gross that's just yeah i think maybe maybe it's just because we're in science and medicine that it's like anything with the icky poos you know i i would i would rather not ever have again i the worst thing in the world is, is having a stomach flu. Oh, Close yeah. second is head colds. Yeah. Oh, and just like I said, I just feel gross, and yeah. I don't like feeling gross. So I will take traffic all day over a cold. <laughs> okay, which I kind of got to go with you there. Yeah. You know, you, like you said, you you can use the traffic to your advantage with oh, sure. a long playlist or something like that. You sure, know? books on tape, podcasts are great. Yeah, love it. So to go ahead and get into the main topic of this. That we're going to start off with a little bit about yourself. Cool. Now, it's kind of easy that to say that you've done quite a bit through your life, I would say. And we're going to discuss some of those here today. And first off, let's go back a little bit. Okay. We're going to go back to the day you graduated high school. Ah. So, when you graduated, what was your initial plan that you wanted to do with the rest of your life? Basically, did you want to go to college? Did you accomplish what you wanted to do? Did you change going into college? Like, what was that plan that you wanted to do? When I when I graduated from, from Pineville High School many, many, many years ago, uh, I had already been down on, I guess what you would call a recruiting trip to LSU to be a part of their athletic training program. And yeah. I, I knew I wanted to be an athletic trainer. I figured, you know, I'm going to go to LSU and one day I'm mm-hmm. going to work for the for the Seattle Seahawks and I'm going to have a great, you know, I'm going to go to the pros and I'm going to retire, you know, with the Seahawks and we're going to have some Super Bowl rings and all this great stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, things happen along the way and uh, your perspective changes on what's important to you and what you value and uh, you find different interests. And uh, the one thing that stayed constant, though, from the day... I was introduced to athletic training by my, my high school basketball coach, uh, Ronnie Kaiser, down in Pineville, Louisiana. A really great man, a wonderful mentor, put me on this path. When he sent me to my first Kramer athletic training camp as a sophomore in high school, uh, I have been taping ankles and Band-Aids and been in health and medicine and science since that summer between my freshman and sophomore year in, in high school, which would have been the summer of 91. Ugh, I'm almost embarrassed <laughs> to say that. Uh, uh, how long ago that was, but yeah. yeah, when I left Pineville, when I graduated Pineville in May of '93, it's been about athletic training, athletics, medicine, every day of my life since. Yeah, then. just you stayed in the same area. You'd absolutely, have to say. absolutely. The lens of the the lens has always been the same. How I've accomplished it's been has changed over the years. Yeah. Sure. And so you went on to graduate from LSU with a bachelor's in kinesiology. Yes. Now, how was your college experience at LSU? Yeah, it was exciting. It's the like, I, I will sometimes joke and say it's the best 
four and a half years that I remember in a blur. Uh, yeah. It was just so much because my first practice at LSU was right before my 18th birthday. So I'm, yeah. I'm 17 years old. I'm working three a days with Curly Holman at LSU with football. And life came at you fast. You're living in the dorm with the athletes. One day you're hanging out with your high school buddies. The next day you're on a practice field with you know, the LSU football team grinding it out for a month at a time and yeah. trying to get through it. And then, you know, you're, you know, as you go through college, you meet friends and you and you swap around the different sports and you meet all these great athletes and coaches and you travel across the conference and the nation and you see all these things. When you grow up in Rapids Parish, you like you see them on the, on the TV and you read about them in the paper. This is long before the Internet. So you yeah. have no concept of it until you actually get there and you actually go to Auburn for the first time or you go to... Uh, Atlanta for the first time, or you fly through all these big airports and you see it, and uh, and it was awesome. And I, I did good enough at LSU to be offered a graduate assistantship at the University of Oklahoma after that, and that's when life really got weird. Yeah. Uh, you know, had a great time at the University of Oklahoma, worked men's women's gymnastics up there for a couple of years, and I, I met my wife, and that's uh, really where life turned around because my wife was a student athletic trainer, and uh, I told her, it's like, she was always smart enough to go to medical school. And yeah. I, I told her, it's like, you have, you need to go do it. And so she got into Oklahoma State's medical school. And uh, ever since, and now she's here as our chair of family and sports medicine here at, at, at Econ Louisiana. And I've just been following her around during her training. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, while she was in medical school, I pursued my doctorate because I knew I wasn't going to see her for seven years. So I worked my <laughs> yeah. jobs. Um, I got experience teaching at the college level. I finished up my doctorate. Uh, then the opportunity came for us to come back, come back home, and you know we've been stuck at the hip. But August fourth will be uh, twenty years together. We've been married, and it's oh. been a it's been an unbelievable twenty two years together. And you know, like I said, like I said it before, you you have one picture of how you think life's going to go, and then you have a moment that changes your your entire life, but. Again, it's all through athletic training. I've gotten everything in my life because of the choice uh, to just to uh, that I wanted to work with athletes and I wanted to be in medicine. And yeah. Because I made that one choice, I've you know met the love of my life. Uh, I've got a doctorate, which hell, no one in my family had even graduated from college. Yeah. So now you know to have a doctor in the family is pretty awesome. My my dad still you know uh, gets emotional about that, and I love him and. You know, it's just it's just weird how life takes you in different directions yeah. sometimes. And I may have jumped for you some questions there. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you summed it up, basically, you know. And with what you did with LSU and all that, and sure. with your bachelor's degree in kinesiology, mm-hmm. why kinesiology? Well, it's human movement science, and okay. athletics is all about human movement. Yeah. And I... Back when I went through undergrad, there were athletic training degree programs. You got a bachelor's degree in athletic training. But there was also the old internship route, where if you did 1,500 hours under a certified athletic trainer, you could then be qualified to sit for the same uh, national board examination and get your medical license, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, that paradigm's completely shifted. In 2000, the internship route was eliminated, so you had to get a degree in athletic training. Now, that was obviously way past my time. And now, in 2025, the bachelor's degree is eliminated. You have to have a master's in athletic training before you can sit for the national board exam and get your state medical license. So it is, in my lifetime, is going to, you know, my first 50 years of athletic training is going to completely have a paradigm shift from, you know, being a, an apprentice, a, apprentice mentor relationship to a formalized graduate degree yeah. process to get there, which... With the degree of skill and the knowledge base it takes to be the Swiss Army Knife that an athletic trainer is, yeah. it's, it's worthy of being a graduate program. Um, so kinesiology, to get back to the point, kinesiology at LSU made the most sense because it, it tied together the most topics related to athletic training, sports medicine, those things. So that's what I got. And then I, I also got my K-12 through health and PE teaching certification because a lot of people were going into high schools as yeah. an athletic trainer so you could teach and be an athletic trainer so you set yourself up in the best case financially for uh, getting your feet on the ground being a, a young athletic trainer. Yeah. And like you said earlier with that, that you went on to 
graduate from the University of Oklahoma with Boomer. your master's in health promotion. Yes. Now, why did you decide to go into that area? It's funny, actually. My, one of my other uh, graduate assistants at, at, at OU and I are the last two graduates from that degree program because uh, they stopped letting the athletic, the, the GA athletic trainers go over there because we were too uh, consumed time-wise with being a, a graduate assistant athletic trainer, not enough being a graduate student. Yeah. So they kind of pushed us off to other programs. Well, my buddy Jeff and I were the last two to graduate from it. Again, it was something that <clears throat> was connected to athletic training, health promotion, and wellness. So you, you move into a prevention model with these courses, you know, deeper into biomechanics. So you're looking at trying to prevent injuries, which is at the core of athletic training. Plus, it's a di- I wanted a different degree. Yeah. I didn't want the same degree over and over again. It's kind of like making a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. Yeah. Whereas if I have experience in multiple different areas, that makes you more attractive to different employees. And it just diversifies my skill set, my knowledge base. So it, it was it would made the most sense for me. And it allowed me to take some courses at University of Oklahoma's Health Science Center in their physical therapy program. Uh, one of my other mentors, Mark Anderson, was a professor is was it will always be a great professor of sports medicine that's up there in, in the Oklahoma City Health Science Center and he uh, he taught me a lot in the six hours those six hours of my life that I will always cherish with <coughs> emergency management or the rehabilitation course in sports injuries I got so much out of it and he's and he's actually the man that introduced Steph and I my wife yeah. to uh, working with uh, Paralympic athletes and that's how Steph and I got involved with the uh, Paralympics and ultimately you're going to get to go to Tokyo here in a few weeks. Oh, <clears throat> you get to get to see the entire Olympics, don't you? Yeah, we'll 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 be in Tokyo the week after the Olympics ends to help with the transition to the Paralympics, and then we'll be there for the first two weeks of the Paralympics. I, I cover judo, and my wife will be in the main clinic in the village, and then we'll get on a plane. We'll fly back. We'll 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 drop off our luggage at the house. We'll have about twelve hours to catch up with our dogs. Repack. We'll get back on a plane with the ULM football team and fly to Kentucky <laughs> for the first football game. So in the course of 36 hours, I will go from uh, <clears throat> Haneda Airport in Tokyo, excuse me, to Monroe, Louisiana, to Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. That's... So I'm already trying to get myself mentally prepared for that, yeah. but I don't think anybody can. I think you just try to take as much vitamin C and and try to get a comfy pillow and just you just ride out the storm. Just hope you don't get any kind of jet lag or yeah, anything. Yeah, but I'm not so. going to miss the I'm not going to miss the chance lifetime to go to the Paralympics yeah. and represent your country. And I'm not going to miss the first football game of the season because I, I love I love being on that sideline. Yeah. So it, it's 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 a uh, you get the best awesome. of both worlds. It is it is it's real, again a blessed life. Yeah, and it, good good life choices and being blessed and having great parents. It's a confluence of a lot of different things. Yeah. And it's Tokyo, so it's like if you've if you've never been to Tokyo, right? Right now, and I know we're going to get into COVID here in a little bit, but yeah. right now we're going to be pretty much locked down in the village, yeah. according to what they've told us and all the stuff we've been getting from Colorado Springs. Is that we're going to be able to go to our venues to compete, go to our venues to practice, but we're not going to be able to get you. You know, first thing, all right, we're going to go to Tokyo and get sightseeing and see all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, you get to go to the Snoopy Museum. I love Snoopy. <laughs> yeah. uh, no. No, no, no. Uh, with everything, we're just lucky. We're going to be able to still have the games and still go. And so you trade off the experience for more or less kind of being uh, quarantined on an island in, in, in Tokyo yeah. Bay. But that's that's fine. I'd yeah. rather that than not ever have this experience at all. Yeah. And after you graduated with your master's, you got your doctorate mm-hmm. from Oklahoma State University. That's now... Right. How was it very difficult for you to get that? Because I've always hear, I always hear that you know, doctorate is a hard thing to do. I can, if you've never been through a doctorate program, the number of tests you take or you can count on both hands. That's it. Number of papers you write and the research and the depth that you go into. You need I need your hands and toes, my hands and toes. <laughs> yeah. I need to go borrow my neighbor's hands and toes too. You write and write and write and research, 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 read, read, read. Totally worth it, but yeah, it was a long process. I took nine of the ten years you're allotted to complete it because we moved three times. I lost the chair of my dissertation committee twice, 
and my third dissertation chair forgot I was graduating and didn't come to my graduation. So I had to have one of my associate chairs on my dissertation committee actually hood me for yeah. graduation. He happened to be there, and, I goes, and he goes, where's Dr. So-and-so? And it's like, I don't think he realized I was actually walking today. And so he goes, well, I'll hood you. I was like, well, that's fine. I, I liked him, too. So, yeah. Uh, Doctor, so shout out to Dr. Jesse Perez Mendez. He's actually at Texas Tech University now, is the and, and, and doing great things there. And he actually taught my uh, uh, my higher ed law class, which yeah. was awesome because we were our final was actually at a bar in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was defending my side of a case versus two others, and he was the judge, and I actually won, so I got to eat and drink for free that night because yeah. I won the case. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty fantastic. Yeah. So he'll always uh, he'll always have a special place in my heart for just being one of those teachers that uh, that, that did things a little different yeah. and made the experience very special. And try to model some of the stuff I do and that outside the box thinking after him. Yeah. And which getting a doctor, you know, you get the you get the doctor part, mm. which is like the main, which is the main part. You know, right, right, right. You're, right. Able, you're able to get. Doctor Alter now, you know. Oh yeah. Oh God. Don't uh, let me tell you. That's one of the main motivators. Was you know some of my wife's <laughs> friends would always say. So is it going to be Doctor and Mister or Mister and Doctor on y'all's mail? Like ah, you can barely graduate high school. That's awesome. And that's really funny. Yeah. And like no, it's going to be Doctor and Doctor. Yeah. And my wife and I, if, if nothing else, we are uber competitive. We yeah. love to win, and we we compete against each other, and we uh, we compete with each other, make each other better, and. That's one of the beautiful things about our relationship is um, where one's weak, the other one's very strong, and we yeah. pick each other up. And, it, and in the end, it actually makes it better for our students because we're just constantly trying to just like, excuse me, find the next thing to make ourselves better, which in turn we can teach to our students. Yeah. And so after all that, you've had different jobs, many different jobs <laughs> in the educational and athletic divisions in yes. different schools. Absolutely. But to me, when I was when I saw him, is that one of the big ones? I would say is that you were the director of the athletic training program at ULL. That's correct. Now, how did that position come about, and how was that entire experience there? So my wife was finishing up. She was she after she did medical school, then she did her residency in family medicine. She went to Virginia Tech to do a fellowship in sports medicine, and that the VCOM Virginia campus. Yeah. Overseas that the sports medicine for Virginia Tech. So that's how we got initially in the door with VCOM yeah. was that one year in Blacksburg, Virginia. I was teaching at Radford University in their athletic training program <clears throat> and covering a couple of sports. Well, finished up my doctorate and UL Lafayette needed a clinical education coordinator. And Steph said, well, I'm done with my education. I'll go wherever you want to go. I said, we, we got a chance to go home. Yeah. So I, I jumped at the opportunity. <clears throat> I got it. I spent two years as the clinical education coordinator. The program's kind of floundering a little bit. The, the program director left to go to a, another great school and is doing fine. I took over the, <clears throat> the program at UL Lafayette as program director, and then we had a change as our, in our chair in the School of Kinesiology there. And he is one of my biggest fans, a mentor, a great friend, a buddy, yeah. he's all the above. And with his help, and some new ideas I wanted to try. We the program actually got off probation, and UL Lafayette got approval to move to the master's degree. Yeah, and is thriving under the clin my clinical coordinator Amy, who's now Dr. Amy, and uh, and she Dr. Amy Grow, and she is doing wonderful things. So she I left, she took over. They have a master's program now, uh, and and Dave, our chair, and I both left the same day. We left everything with Amy and Greg, our two not even understudies, just our two colleagues and friends, and the place continues to thrive with them down there now. And I'm very proud of both of them. I'm very proud of, of Amy. She kind of went through, a, as much as I went through in my doctorate, she went through even more. Yeah. And I couldn't be more proud of her and, and how what an awesome person she is. And together, uh, with Dave's help and Amy's help, because no, no man does it ever by himself. You, you've got to have good people around you. and. Without Dave and Amy, that program would have been would have been, would have been gone. Yeah, I could have done all I could, but you have to have those other people around you, and that was a total team effort to serve, to save that program and to get it to 
be able to make the jump, and I'm very proud. It and LSU are the only two right now. I think Southeastern may have gotten approval as well. So at one time there were six athletic training programs in the state. Now it's down to three. Yeah. And because not everybody gets to move up and whatnot, you know, it's you can't have too much redundancy in programs in the state, or else you're going to have like two kids in every program, and that's just not very cost efficient. Yeah. Especially with a with these programs, they, they're, faculty are not cheap. Uh, yeah. That's one of the nice things about moving into academics is you actually do get paid better in academics than you do clinically as an athletic trainer in most cases. Yeah. And with that position, that was the position you had before you came to work here, correct? That is correct. That's seven years down there, and then we came up here. And so now talking about VCOM here in Monroe, Louisiana, Yay. how did you become to get this position here at VCOM? Well, you know, my wife was looking for the next challenge, and she was stepping into her role as president of Louisiana Osteopathic Medical Association. Oh. She is a DO, and obviously, and being here, uh, they when, when we first started hearing through LOMA that VCOM was going to put their fourth campus on ULM's campus, it was just kind of a natural fit. They really yeah. wanted, they've been asking her to try to go to the Auburn campus, which is the third VCOM campus. She just didn't want to make that jump uh, for, for various reasons, and that's okay, because it actually worked out better, because we got to stay here. Instead of being an hour and a half south of my dad, I'm an hour and a half north of my dad, yeah. and we're actually closer to her family in Oklahoma City. So this is, is a confluence of a lot of good things. She helped them get everything straight and get everything put on place with, with her role with Loma. And uh, obviously when she came up here, they were they were like, well, we, we want Randy too. Yeah. So they've they kind of carved out a, a niche here. And kind of much like being an athlete trainer, Swiss Army Knife, it's kind of my role here. I'm a little bit of everything. I, I help with research. I help with faculty development. I'm a... You know, associate professor in family and sports medicine, help teach in the OMM lab, help teach in the simula in the simulation labs, whether it's intubation or injections or what have you. I, I help in, in those labs as well. So whatever they really need me to do, I continue up continue my research agenda. And you know, best of all, you know, we're responsible for the health care for both ULM and Grambling State University. Yeah. So we go and help cover we travel with football with ULM, we help cover you know, basketball and football on campus and then all other sports at Grambling as well. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So I get to, I get my fill of clinical athletic training and I also get to still teach on a regular basis and be involved with day-to-day -day student development and faculty development. And <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of different things. But uh, there's still enough clinical practice to keep my skills sharp keep my street cred if you will yeah. you know I can still get it done and, 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 I, and I have a great time with it and you get to be sidelined every game basically too I so do it's like, I do I do yeah and, right there in the action and even with COVID last year with the schedule change first game of the year was at Army and I never thought I'd ever get to go to West Point yeah and to be in that stadium and there's nobody else there but the entire core of cadets and it was just surreal because yeah. you know what's going on in the outside world but for those few minutes you're in the stadium you're watching a football game. Everything's normal. The cadets are excited. You're there. We're really excited. We didn't think we'd even have a season last year. Yeah. And it really felt, I think, getting the season in was maybe part of my wife's greatest accomplishments because the coordination it took to manage COVID, to get everybody tested, to get everybody cared for, to make sure we didn't have any issues or we minimized the issues as much as you can. You can't control all 120 students you know yeah. these are 18 to 22 year olds they're going to make dumb mistakes from time <laughs> to time yeah and you, you just you have and then you just got to learn to mitigate it you can't be mad too much because then it it slows down what do we do to fix it yeah. you have to just turn around and refocus and fix it but the fact that we got a <clears throat> we had a 10 game season we were one of what a dozen maybe two dozen schools that got to play at least 10 yeah, games not a year. lot at all no it was it was awesome, yeah. and I give all the credit to her and her hard work and, and Scott McDonald, our athletic director at ULM, for you know, taking something novel and making the best out of it because it really could have been in shambles. That that would hurt everybody financially, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. I mean, there's a lot of people that you know they they invest a lot of themselves, physically, financially, and, and mentally into athletics, and to have that taken away, I think, would have been. Uh, 
would have been pretty pretty bad. It wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't have been a good situation. I know I'd have been pretty sad if we hadn't got to travel last year. I don't know what I'd done with my yeah. weekends. But we did. And so, being here at VCOM in Monroe, how has it been so far working here? You know, when we, my wife and I first started, we were in a little room that's about half a size of this. The two of us shared an office in Sandal for the first nine months we were here, which was wild. We like to say, <laughs> that was a lot of togetherness. It got to the point where we started driving to work separately. It was just, <laughs> we were just together way too much. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. It, and now that we, you know, we're in the big building, and she's on the second floor in the other corner, I'm on the third floor in this corner, we see each other for lunch, we see each other when we get home, and it's kind of like it was before we moved to Monroe. We get just enough togetherness working together, and we get our togetherness at home. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Building's beautiful. I always tell everybody, it's, this place is it's immaculate, it's a Taj Mahal. The fourth floor is like stepping on board Star Trek. <laughs> because the simulation lab is just, it's, I'm just starstruck when I walk in there, what we have to teach the kids. The anatomy lab's beautiful. The OMM lab is, is it doesn't lack for anything. Our, our patient encounter rooms are, it's like walking into a doctor's office up there. So these kids, when they, they step into uh, round two of their boards, they're not surprised because it looks just like it does at home. And, you know, the old adage, you, you, you practice like you play like you practice. Yeah. And that's how we want them. We want them to practice being in their board scenarios every single day they're here, whether it's the, the written test or their hands-on test. Yeah. And that way when they get to board days, whether it's the end of year two or the end of year three or the end of event four, uh, they're, they're not surprised. They're not caught off guard. They're comfortable. They're in their element. Yeah. And I think that gives us an advantage in why our, and that's a why our board scores are the way they are at VCOM, why we're so successful and why the residency placements are, are, are so successful is they get around our kids and they just realize, man, they are super sharp. They've got personality. They're from all over the country. And uh, they're just, you know, it's good results. This is by far, I'm just happy I have a window. You know, I had, <laughs> I had like the little bitty narrow windows at Lafayette. No, I know offense. I had blast in life yet made some of the best friends of my life down yeah. there in fact we're going down there this weekend to to see a friend fourth of july and uh but it little narrow windows at the top i got a little peak of daylight and yeah. just try to make the room as mine as possible this is you got the bike right there i got the bike i mean i can turn around and watch the the watch the water ski team jump right off my window yeah. here yeah I, I don't lack for anything from a view or comfort standpoint if I had my dogs up here with me at work, I'd probably never go home. <laughs> Seriously. And and honestly, we've tried looking and you know, starting a, a pet therapy program joint one with ULM because yeah. I really, you read a lot of the literature, there is a lot of good literature on the positive effects of dog therapy programs at universities and at medical schools. Oklahoma State being one of those, our, our Stephanie's alma mater yeah. for our doctorates. Uh, so, you know, and I know I go off on a tangent with these questions, but... <laughs> But we have a, yeah, it's just good. It's just good. Got, got some good new buddies in this place. And, you know, today, the day that we're doing this interview, is actually the start of my third year. My This is this is my work anniversary, July 1. I started oh. July 1, 2019. So this is this is starting year three for me. And yeah. I'm, we're, I'm on a three-year contract, so we'll see uh, what the rest of the year brings and see if, when, how much longer I get to stick around here. I'm yeah. I'm hopeful and thankful for the opportunity, and I'm hopeful I get to continue uh, moving forward here, which I don't have a doubt about. It's just probably just we got a lot of other things to deal with, and eventually we'll get around to yeah. getting that all taken care of. Which you're right about this building being like a Taj Mahal, because this is the first time I've ever been in it, because I go to ULM, mm-hmm. but I'm more on ULM, the EULM. I right. take all my courses online. And being able to come in this building, because I've, I've always was like, "Wow, that building's huge!" And then I walk <laughs> and I walked in it today, and I was like, "Wow, this is it's, it's like it's like uh, having your car for a year and it's still got the new car smell, you know?" It and does. it's like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "This building is awesome." <laughs> you know, it, you don't bump into as many people as you think, even though there's you know 100 employees and 150 students in the first class. Now, July 12th, when we add the next 162, we'll see how things change. We're, and we're going to be adding more faculty, too. Now that we have a second class, we've got to add more faculty. Yeah. 
So it'll this place will go from about 250 people on a given day in it to, you know, probably by the end of the year, probably close to 400 yeah. or 450 in, in a hurry. Yeah. And it may get a little crowded then, but we got plenty of parking. Uh, great tailgating spots across the street, you yeah. know, by football. And it's, uh, you know, we're, we're still a growth in progress, which is the amazing thing that, you know, as much as we've done, there's still more to go. We haven't, with COVID, we haven't been able to get out in the community and do as much outreach as we like. We want to be more visible. We want to be able to, want people to get comfortable with the logos and seeing us and knowing who we are. And yeah. Uh, there's still so much more to go. People think they see and know VCon, but they haven't seen anything yet, honestly. Yeah. We, we still have so much more to go, and I'm yeah. so excited to see it. And which I was like, wow, we're getting like a doctor school to put it in terms, you yeah. know, like we're getting, we're getting a doctor school in Monroe, you know, because I'm from here. So uh, it's like, I, I was like, we're getting one in. Monroe, <laughs> you know, the coolest but. thing I think the coolest thing about it is that when we'll walk out of the building at night, we'll be you know we're walking out five five thirty whatever, or even later some nights, and the number of kids that are doing their graduation photos around the building, on the staircase, yeah. on the bayou in front of the school, whatever. It's awesome. It's like immediately we became the like the number one tourist attraction on campus. It's true, and it's so cool. It's very flattering. It's a humbling responsibility uh, uh, it also speaks to the fact we have a zero deferred maintenance policy with VCOM if something breaks it gets fixed immediately yeah the mr. Rockovich our chairman and our president provost dr. Uh, took Rollins is uh, their their stance is this place was built beautiful and the grounds are beautiful and it's going to stay beautiful yeah. they won't be there's no litter there's no broken bolts there's no doors that won't shut if there is you let somebody know and it it's fixed like that and yeah. you you love working for a place that appreciates what it has from a human resources standpoint but also what it has from a physical resources standpoint yeah and since being here at vcom what would you say has been your favorite part of working here oh uh being more involved with omm and it's the one thing that differentiates uh allopathic medicine from osteopathic medicine and that's the yeah. osteopathic manipulative medicine and the osteopath OPP osteopathic practice principles and that's just the way that an osteopathic physician looks at the patient and we use the term holistic you think about patchouli and candles and things like that but it's no it's more of it's none of that it's about taking the body as a whole and how one part of the body affects the other and so instead of saying oh you have a cold here's some meds here's a chest x-ray okay we're good it's about being able to use our hands to do rib raising and, and, and releasing and, and trying to increase breathing. And, okay, yes, we're going to do the x-rays. Yes, we're going to give you the medicine. Yes, we're going to do some. But what can I do with my hands and my mind to help this patient and to help treat them and being hands-on? And so what I tell the kids in the lab is that when a person allows you to touch them, they, they are extending an invitation to themselves. And that is a great responsibility and you can never ever break that trust but is that trust and that faith the patient has in you that helps accentuate their health and makes them feel better faster and why I feel what we do is just a little bit better it's because of their belief patients have to believe that they're getting better and if they're allowing you to touch them in a way that is intimate and personal yeah. in the pursuit of health they've put they've laid it out there for you don't abuse it be great at it reward their trust in you and what you will get back is tenfold yeah and, and I, I think that's really uh, the cool thing and I've been able to you know I was my wife's tackling dummy through her <laughs> through her uh, osteopathic training yeah and and I took what I learned from her and put into practice athlete training with all of our athletes. Oh my God, the things I did this week with with USA Gymnastics at the gym champs and the Olympic trials, working with their athletes. Yeah. The feedback I've gotten from the athletes. Oh my God, thank you for doing this, that, and the other. And I would have been able to compete with this and that. And it's all because my wife made a choice to go BDO instead of MD. And it's it's just such a the OMM is such a functional piece especially for sports medicine and athletics yeah. that it gives us an advantage to help our athletes that not every school has 
and it, it, it's been a blessing in my life. And now I have uh, Dr. Jason Sneed, who is our chair for OMM and NMM, have him as a mentor too to further refine my skill set and this last year with him I have just grown leaps and bounds in what I've learned and refining my skills plus he also fixes me I've got some pretty bad back issues and yeah. he's kept me functional I think having him in my life is probably going to keep me from having to have a fusion in my spine yeah. for put it off for two or three years if not longer because of the quality of care he provides with just his hands and yeah. his head and he is just the best, and he's a good friend. So I, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, for me, part for, for personally, that's been my biggest part. And the thing is, I think the things we're going to enjoy getting expanding sports medicine research, expanding our research with athletics and into the larger athletic community. The support we've gotten from Scott McDonald and ULM Athletics has been a huge plus. Uh, I, I mean, I could go on and on about the positives. It's it's been really cool. I love working with. Our faculty here on the third floor, the, which is biomed research, I've learned so much from uh, the anatomy faculty and yeah. physiology and immunology, and then the clinical faculty on the second floor, uh, you know, Dr. Randy Devereaux in epidemiology is just a brilliant, brilliant man with many years in teaching in the medical setting, and he's taught me a lot about how to teach teachers. I just, uh, yeah. It's, it's been super cool. Yeah. I, I, I wish everybody could have... I, I feel bad bragging about it because I <laughs> yeah. know, I've taught with a lot of people at different public universities and I know what their struggles are day-to-day yeah. in public university life and I I just feel like, man, I'm, I have made it. And, and I'm like, <laughs> I wish all my buddies could feel what I feel on a daily basis because yeah. if you persevere, you'll get there. You'll get... This is, this is just a wonderful experience. I just wish all of my friends could have this experience because there are so many great professors at different schools and everything that just, you know, the schools just don't have the resources to let them, you know, blossom to their full capacity. They, yeah. they make the most lemonade out of the hands that they have, yeah. but uh, if they had this, you know, just imagine what they could do from a teaching standpoint and yeah. education standpoint. I, so in some ways I feel awesome. In some ways I kind of feel guilty because like, why me? Why do I get to have this experience? I have some of my friends are so much better at this than I am, but they don't. They they may not ever get this experience. But you know, so I try to you know share it with them as when I can. Yeah. Share knowledge with them and send them stuff and hey, try this, try this, try this. Yeah. And like you said with um, oh, sorry, OMM and learning to work with your hands and all that. On a side note here, I have scoliosis. Oh, yeah. And my back hurts constantly. <laughs> and, like, if there's anything that VCOM can do for me with that, like, I know there's not a thing that can, like, straighten out my spine or nothing like that unless we haven't learned that yet, which that may be way ahead in our future if, that, if that's even possible, you know. But, like, if there's any way I can learn how to, like, crack my back, because I have to do that, like, on a hourly basis, I feel like, because it just kills me you know what i'm saying like uh, that's just... probably the next step for vcom is opening <clears throat> one of the one of the next steps we've got a bunch of another of next steps yeah. but is getting our our faculty need clinical practice yeah and with 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 covid being in the way we haven't been able to get them get a clinic established for our faculty and get them out there they don't they're very busy teaching. They're very busy with research, but at the same time, they still need to again keep their street cred, keep their keep their skills sharp. So they need to have a place where they can go and practice at least once a week, if not two days a week. Yeah, uh, and that would be the next thing you'll see. You'll see us, open, you know, having clinics available where you'll have access as a patient to our faculty as a practicing physician. And yeah. if we can get OMM, oh, and I promise you, OMM will be a part of that. Whether okay. it's you know, my wife and the sports medicine staff have, they're the only ones that really have true clinical practice because they have Grambling and ULM athletics. So they're yeah. always seeing patients over at Malone or over at uh, the Hobby Center at Grambling. But for all the other faculty, especially the clinical faculty, they need a, they need a patient population yeah. that they can see. Plus our students can go and rotate and watch them as well and grow from that. So I think that'll be something you see in the coming months. You'll, as COVID relaxes and we get more faculty in and yada yada, we'll you'll see, you know, VCOM has a clinic and you know two days a week you have access to OMM care, or you have access to our peds faculty, or you have access to our geriatrics faculty and internal yeah. med faculty, and 
we'll get more involved in the that's one of those other things getting more involved in the community is getting our our faculty involved as physicians yeah and not and and, and that's kind of the next step for for them as well again it's about keeping your skills sharp it's hard to go in and tell a student well, this is how I did it when I practiced five years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I saw this patient the other day. This is what they had X, Y, and Z. This is what we did. What are your thoughts on it? And you bounce cases off of them. And so you get them out of that, you know, sage on a stage, PowerPoint type learning, and you get into more of a uh, collegial back and forth case-based learning type yeah. of education with the students, which is way more effective and way more to the point than just, here is fact A. Recite fact A. Here is fact B. Recite fact B. Yeah. That's boring. Yeah. That boring and tedium. You do that eight to five all day, you're just about ready to bang your head through a desk. <laughs> yeah. But if you give them real life scenarios, have work in teams to solve problems, you teach them how to work with other allied health professionals, you teach them how to work with each other, and then you teach them how to critically think. And that's what's going to serve them best because they're not going to have written tests when they get out into the real life. They're going to have real people yeah. with real problems, and you're going to have to work with real other people to solve these problems. Yeah. And the more we can do that, the earlier we can do that, the better they're going to come out on the other side. Yeah. And so, speaking on COVID a little bit. Oh. <laughs> oh. Something, try, try to a little bit, you yeah. know. So, in this past year that it's been around, how have you and your wife been during COVID? We've been fine. I My nose has been scraped more than a fisherman's knuckle. It is just, I, oh my goodness. We have weekly tests during football season starting in June. Yeah. And then the tests that we've had, you know, with our different events, you know, I, I'm part of the medical staff for the NCAA World, the Softball World Series. So I got tested there. Uh, we just got back from the U.S. Gym Champs Olympic Trials. We had to get tested a couple times there. Uh, when we go to Tokyo, we'll have to do two tests, one 96 hours, one 72 hours before we fly out. Then we'll get another one when we land in Tokyo. Then we'll get another one when we get to the Olympic Village. Uh, I am so damn tired of the tests. <laughs> and I am vaccinated. We got vaccinated as quickly as we could. Yeah. It was February. We were finally fully vaxxed. We were two weeks post-second shot with the Pfizer. Uh, but, you know, coordinating from my, my wife's perspective, we, you know, ULM had a COVID committee. It was athletic administrators, public health with ULM, an administrator from ULM, and then... Uh, you know, the medical staff from VCOM, you know, led by my wife, and I, as much as I could, I would help out as well. Yeah. And just setting policy and standards, trying to keep up with the NCAA and the Sun Belt, and making sure we were getting tested and all the players were certified, whether it was through football season or basketball season or baseball season. And now, with as the NCAA's uh, academic year resets today, July 1, we start now the 21 22 academic and athletic year. You know, some of the things have been relaxed, so only half the players that are unvaccinated have to get tested half the time. So basically, only the unvaccinated ones get tested every once a month. So it's instead of all 120 football players being tested, it may only be 10 now. Yeah. And it's only once a month instead of once a week. Yeah. So it's starting to get a little better from that case. Uh, VCOM had an app tracker, so we had to check in every day with signs and symptoms. Then it got to be once a week. Now it's once a month once you're vaccinated. So we, we, so VCOM has tons of data on faculty and students as far as tra tracking and tracing. And so if there's ever an issue, it was alerted. We have things set up through a sequent chain of events to get to the right people so we could deal everything, isolate students, and mitigate it. And I think that's why we didn't lose any uh, teaching days and manpower days due to COVID yeah. in the building. We actually did a really nice job. And, you know, the first couple of months were hard, and we were all online, and then we went to four classrooms, so we split the 150 students into four classrooms, and then we were able to bring them together after Christmas into two classrooms. And that was probably something, having actual, seeing them face-to-face. -face, it was, you know? it was, it was. Now, the, you know, and we're hopeful that when we start back on the 12th, and I don't, we haven't made an official policy announcement or anything, I'm still hopeful that, you know, we'll be able to put the first class all together back in one room. Yeah. And it would be the first time that our inaugural class would all be in the same room at the same time. Oh, yeah. Which is incredible to say that you got through one year of medical school and not have had class with all of your classmates. Yeah. And that you might Kinda not even wild. know who they are, you know. Right. And I, I think we, last night, it's my understanding we're, we're still going to be split. So we may, we're going to have to use, 
you know, we're to put 80, it was going to be 80, 80, 80, 80. We're going to use four classrooms and split them into four groups of 80. But I'm hopeful that may change, especially with vaccination rules and things like that. Yeah. But uh, we have two big, beautiful auditoriums that hold 180 people. That's, that's, you know, 162 students plus, you know, faculty guests on the top row and other things like that. But so we can socially distance, you know, 80 people very easily in each one of the the four classrooms we have especially the two auditoriums so we can make it work we can ride this out as long as possible and still be very effective our faculty is highly adaptive recording lectures delivering online things like that but it's medicine and being in person means that labs and anatomy lab and omm lab and yeah. standardized patients you have to touch them yeah, and so there are, and so the labs have had to be split into quarters in order to socially distance, and now we've kind of split into halves, and we've we've made do, we've made do, and the quality hasn't dipped. It's just, you know, you lack that personal touch. Yeah, you want to get to know as many of the students as you can, and we want to have relationships with them because that's where you know comfort and a little more security comes into. You don't have so much of kids worrying about am I supposed to be here I don't think I deserve to be here or you take one bad test and they start getting a little imposter syndrome it's like no man this is not what a normal medical school experience is supposed to be like yeah. it's not you it's the circumstance you guys are doing great you're thriving we're very proud of you uh, we just wish we could do more with you on a regular basis and yeah. last few months we've been able to have get-togethers and do stuff outside and have little parties and gatherings out on the back by the bayou yeah. and do some fundraising and things like that. And that's kind of raised esprit de corps, if you will. But I still, I can't wait for them to have a quote-unquote a normal year. Yeah. And I think we're all ready for that. Oh. It's not not only VCOM, too, everybody's ready for that, you know. Yeah, societies in general, we're ready to have, you know, sponsor wine over water and have it back over on the bridge on yeah. campus. We're ready to start doing, you know, 5Ks and color runs and things. Yeah. This sponsored by VCOM and get us out in the community and see the logo everywhere and be get on Mardi Gras floats and throw VCOM yeah. beads and you know <laughs> really start doing the Louisiana stuff, which is one of the novels, yeah. the novelties to being the Louisiana campus as opposed to the one at Auburn or South Carolina or Virginia is, you know, the culture in Louisiana is the strongest yeah. out of all those, the most unique and. It's what attracted a lot of the faculty to this campus is the fact that it's like I get to live in you know one of the most unique places in, in the United States and that's yeah. Louisiana it's, and we just haven't been able to deliver that yet because you know well global pandemic <laughs> yeah, yeah, just, just a, a small global pandemic yeah you know just your everyday garden variety global pandemic <laughs> yeah. completely changed the way we live for two or three years yeah. here that's all no big deal and so with all that being said to basically kind of end this off, sure. is there anything you would like to add or anything that you would like to say if anybody who is listening is considering coming to VCOM? Is there anything you'd like to say to them? You know, we were, we were looking. Right now we're running, the, between the first two classes, we're running about 33% Louisiana uh, admittees. Yeah. So if you, you take that out of 100, let's just say 150 students we admit a year, about 50 of those come from this state. Yeah. And we would love for that number to be even higher, which means uh, we just got to get more people at undergrad level, start looking at pre-med as a major and getting their prereqs done and having the other schools in the state, you know, hey, it's more than Tulane and LSU now. You have options to go to medical school because yeah. our mission is to turn around and educate these students and put them back in rural underserved areas. Which means we want to bring them in and we want them to stay in Louisiana. Louisiana has such a, a hole of physicians right now. We, we need so many. So we want to recruit from Louisiana to send them back into Louisiana because Louisiana understands Louisiana. Yeah. And the people we graduate should look like Louisiana. So uh, underrepresented minorities, people from rural areas of this state, we need you to come to this school because we want to educate you. If you've never thought you could go to medical school, I want you to start considering it now. And when, again, with COVID, once COVID's done, we can start getting out into the junior highs and the high schools and start doing health education programming, taking our students out and, and, and showcasing them and getting kids in areas that have never thought about medicine as an opportunity, as a lifestyle, as a career choice, as a way to give back to their community, Put plant that seed in them young and early 
and and nurture that so that they believe that they can do this and they can be a part of it and we can get them you know you can make a difference you can come here we will give you the tools and we'll, we'll, we'll put you back in there and you you can make a difference in your community uh, that's the big thing you know I want to get across is uh, and we're only, like I said, we're only just beginning. You haven't seen yeah. anything yet from this school. This is still a baby school. It is, and we're going to make, we're already making a difference, but it's a it's a drop in the bucket right now compared to the, to the long-term difference. Yeah. Getting our physicians out, making the school more visible, making our students more visible. Uh, you know, the pandemic just really has put the kibosh on that, and yeah. I, I, we hate it because... You had so many, and you still do, you have so many enthusiastic faculty, and so many of them are Louisiana natives. We've got faculty that competed as an athlete at Grambling. You have, they're from Winfield. You have me from Pineville. You've got tons of faculty here that are ULM graduates, Monroe natives, people that have practiced in this area for years and years and years, yeah. and are, are very Louisiana-centric, and, and Monroe-centric, yeah. and it just can't wait to to it just be you know VCOM and Monroe are synonymous and Monroe becomes a central a hub for healthcare uh, you know not only in this, in Washtenaw Parish but in the state yeah and that's that's the big thing we want people to talk about Monroe like they talk about Shreveport and New Orleans you know for healthcare yeah and that's it's it's there it's it's coming yeah and I promise you we're going to be leading the charge for that yeah cool. With all that being said, I'd like to say thank you for joining me today as a representative from VCOM here. My pleasure, Todd. Pleasure to finally meet you. And you might have to be on one day in the future, maybe. I'd know. love to. We'll talk about it. I'll tell you how we, how we survived <laughs> Tokyo. <laughs> COVID or God. If you told me COVID or Godzilla two years ago, I'd have said Godzilla. But now I'm like, oh, I just want to get rid of COVID. I think I, could, <laughs> I, think I can make buddies with Godzilla. So <laughs> Yeah. So thank you for once again being on here. As always, please rate and subscribe, and if you're listening on YouTube, please like, comment, and subscribe, and click that bell to get notified when new videos are uploaded. And make sure you follow the Toddcast only on Instagram at the underscore Toddcast underscore for all your Toddcast social media needs. Make sure you tell your friends and your family or anybody, really, to give it a listen, and thank all of you for listening to this episode. And if you want to know what's going to happen next week, well, I guess you're just going to have to tune in to find out. Only on the Toddcast.